this week's episode of the Tide Keeps Rolling podcast. Mason, Hunter, and Clay talk about position battles going into spring football. Then, the guys share their thoughts on which men's basketball players will receive SEC honors. The Tide Keeps Rolling on the Bama Central Podcast Network. Welcome to the Todd Keeps Rolling Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Smith, joined with Hunter the Cyber, and Clay Miller is back with us again two weeks in a row. We might have to make you a regular at this point, man. You've been you've been hopping on the past few episodes. Hey, I'm enjoying it. Hey, look, it, it's no problem with us. Honestly, there's a get some good conversation to have today. Uh, spring football is here. It's about that time for the newer guys, whether the early enrollees, transfers, and what have you, to re to acclimate themselves to the Alabama standard. And of course, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Austin Hannon, who wrote the story earlier this morning, promote talking about the position battles. But now, Clay, I'm gonna start this one with you. There's obviously a lot to look forward to in terms of position battles for Alabama football. Of course, we'll also have a new quarterback, have a lot of new starters on defense. There'll be a lot of chances on the offensive line. Of course, the starting running back is, is no longer here. So what position battle are you looking forward to the most? Well, I know this is going to be the basic answer, but I definitely think the most interesting one at the beginning is going to be the quarterback position. And it's not necessarily because, well, obviously Alabama needs to find a new quarterback, but with a new offensive coordinator coming in at Tommy Rees, it's going to be really interesting to see which quarterback kind of fits his scheme more because I think we're going to kind of change more back to what we saw Alabama uh, on offense kind of earlier in the decade, uh, uh, you know, kind of the play action, run the ball style. And so it's going to be really interesting to see if Jalen Milrow fits that style more or, you know, Ty Simpson, who is the younger quarterback, but I think probably the more polished passer. Um, and I've seen some articles thrown around about how he's really going to help Milrow. I don't know about that. We'll have to see. And so I think early on, that's definitely what I'm I'm looking forward to is is hearing reports on which quarterback is kind of taking to the new system better uh, as we kind of try to go back to maybe some of the more old-fashioned offense that we're used to from Alabama. Yeah, I think that, I think that's important, Hunter. I'll, of course, I'll let you go right quick, but I think it's just a, a matter of taste. Like, do you want a, a true dual-threat quarterback that can run the ball just as well as he can pass it? Or do you want, you know, a quarterback who can definitely air it out, you know, provide an air rate offense while still executing, you know, passing game and, you know, making the right reads and not turn the ball over so, of course, Hunter, you can talk about quarterback or you can, you know, go in a whole different direction. What, what position? Oh, no, yeah. My, um, my original answer um, to the question was definitely in the running back and quarterback area. So when it comes to Ty Simpson versus Jalen Milrow, Jalen Milrow, obviously more of a runner. And Ty Simpson, definitely someone who could do a mix of everything, but he could also really throw it deep and is more of a passer, like Clay said. I think we have way too many running backs already that could do, that could do the job of just simply running the ball in an I-formation style. We're talking Jason McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, Justice Haynes, um, Richard Young, and Jam Miller, of course. But, like, I don't think we really need an additional um, running QB starting under center. Now, that's a very valid point. Now, that's something to kind of keep in mind because, yes, when we talk about the earlier days of Alabama offense, the earlier days of Nick Saban's, you know, dominance in college football, that included having a top-tier running back, but also having a quarterback that wasn't really, you know, it wasn't elite. It wasn't elite quarterback play. You weren't talking about, you know, the quarterback from Alabama going top in the top in the NFL draft. That wasn't the case. Now that is the case. And I think that's going to be one interesting thing to keep in mind is that if you go with Milrow, then you're kind of taking the ball out of your running back's hands, whether it's Miller, whether it's Roy Dale, or whether it's one of the freshmen. Like, it, I, think that's a, I think that's a concern, you know, that Tommy Reese is thinking about. It's like, hey, do I want to risk 
you know, Jalen Miro maybe may Jalen Miro may win the job, but do I want to risk the idea of taking the ball out of the running back's hand, knowing that's the offense we're trying to, you know, reconstruct? Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. Like you have all these running backs for a reason. Like I definitely recommend that they should use them and definitely have Ty Simpson starting under center. I, I don't want to, I want to make you pick, but I'm going to make you pick. If you had to pick right now, Milrow or Simpson, Hunter? I'm going with Simpson. He's got the stronger arm. He's more of a pocket presence, and that's what we kind of need. That's what it comes down to. What about you, Clay? Yeah, I'm going with Simpson as well. I I think, you know, obviously players can get better. Uh, You know, you look at Jalen Hurts and what he was like freshman year at Alabama, not far off from what Milrow was. I mean, Milrow may be even more of a dynamic runner, but I do think it's a little bit of a stretch to think that Milrow is going to have a Hurts-like improvement. Um, and I think we kind of saw a lot of his issues in the A&M game. And, and I don't – that might win you a lot of regular season games like Jalen Hurts. But we saw in the playoff when Jalen Hurts – before Jalen Hurts kind of evolved into what he is now, a Super Bowl potentially winning quarterback, it's hard against those tougher defenses. So I think Ty Simpson should ultimately get the job. You know what? I'm, I'm partial to the dual-threat quarterback, so I do think I like Jalen Murrell just because of his versatility. But both of you guys bring up fantastic points. And I honestly wouldn't be upset if either of those guys win the job because – just like at most positions for Alabama, especially this year, whoever wins the job is going to be a really good pick for the team. Like sometimes you go into a year where the competition honestly is just thin and there's not a lot, of, not a lot to choose from, or the competition is just so you know skewed. Like last year, were we really concerned about Bryce Young not being the quarterback? I, I highly doubt that. But honestly, this year, you know, there's definitely definitely different directions you can go. Now, as far as my pick, I think. It's not off the beaten path, but it's definitely something to keep in mind when you talk about quarterback and running back. I'm interested in the offensive line battle. I think the offensive line has always has gotten a lot of criticism last year, not necessarily for being bad, but just not necessarily being, you know, the elite offensive line that we've come to know from Alabama that's produced so many great current NFL linemen right now. The only person I think people really like in terms of NFL prospects is J.C. Latham. So in terms of Caden Proctor coming in, will conform me, Olas, the the foreign man, the foreign exchange student. I think it's hilarious hearing his his name's gonna be really interesting to kind of pronounce throughout the season. But mm-hmm. with the offensive line and all the things they had, you know, going against them last season, I'm interested to see what's going to happen this season, especially when we talked about, like I said, Proctor. Proctor was the with the top offensive tackle in his class. And now and now he's at Alabama. So you might have JC Latham and Caden Proctor, but you make it to camp and Wilkin Formby plays better than Proctor. And now Formby and Latham are starting. Or maybe Latham regresses. And now you have two freshmen starting. Like it it we have seen these kinds of things happen before when it comes to offensive line. So I think that's the one that's gonna interest me is them and also the secondary understanding that hey, you know, with with Kool-Aid soon to be gone, with Eli Ricks already left for the draft, you know, there's gonna be some competition at that cornerback position as well. Yeah, you know, I think it's funny you ask this position battles and which one to pick. And the thing about this year is that more than ever, there you could argue every single position has a battle going on. You know, last year we came into the year with a lot of high expectations because there were leaders established at just about every position. You think about Will Anderson uh, up on the front of the defensive line, Henry Toa Toa at linebacker, Jordan Battle in the secondary, Bryce Young on quarterback. Everywhere you looked, we had leaders. This year, there's not really any. I mean, you could argue that we do have some older players, but I wouldn't say they're kind of the the leaders of the locker room that you kind of hear about. And so, you know, to kind of talk about the defense, it's really going to be interesting to see who just steps up in general as kind of that voice, because we really don't have, I mean, I guess you could say Kool-Aid as the cornerback is kind of that star player. 
but there's not really a clear-cut guy to come in and kind of take that leadership role that we've seen Will Anderson and Henry Toa Toa and Jordan Battle have the last couple of years. So that's what I'm interested in is who is coming into this next season. Is Nick Saban going to be like, this is our guy. This is our figurehead on the defensive end who's going to make sure everybody's in the right spots. Yeah, um, I, I definitely like that uh, take on who could be that captain kind of role. And shifting over to that, um, I definitely would focus on the defensive side as there's so many choices to choose from. But you say Kool-Aid, I'm going to go with Dallas Turner. I think the whole linebacker situation this uh, this year has um, Braswell, Yonsei Pierre, Quay Rousseau, Jihad Campbell, Justin Jefferson, Deontay Lawson, and of course, Dallas Turner and Keon, Keon Keeley. I think he has, I think that's the most um, jacked up position that we have on this team. I think even more than running backs. Yeah. So if he could lead that linebacker core, then I think he'll definitely lead the whole team. That's, that's honestly my concern. I won't say it's a concern, but that's honestly my biggest interest, at least defensively, is that not even just linebackers in general, but especially that edge rusher position. Will Anderson, you know, honestly, probably might be one of the best edge rushers to ever play college football. You know, at least one of the most decorated for sure, and definitely probably one of the best to ever play at Alabama. But the thing that the thing that is interesting about the edge rusher position specifically, if you look on the depth chart, Chris Braswell is listed as his backup, and of course Braswell still got a healthy amount of snaps, which would think let lead one to think maybe he's the heir apparent, maybe he's the true successor. But how can you really say that when you have you you have the top edge rusher from the last class? Well, I think it's bigger than Chris Braswell, like measurable wise. I think he's taller, maybe a little bit, a little bit heavier. So now you have that. You have Quay Rousseau, who's from Montgomery, who's, who's also pretty good. Yonze Pierre, he shot up recruiting rankings, you know, at the at the end of his, you know, recruiting cycle. So now you have three incoming freshmen who could honestly beat out your senior player for the edge rusher position that would succeed, that was led by Will Anderson. So I think that is gonna have a lot of, you know. A lot of hot takes. I'm interested to see how Nick Saban kind of rotates those guys. Because I think if you guys remember, one thing they talked about last season was the cheetah package. I think it was War Anderson, Chris Braswell, and Harry Toto, like a three-headed monster at linebacker. They had a, a specific package for that. Well, shoot, you can almost run like a, I don't even know what to call it, like a rhino package with so many linebackers that could just attack the quarterback rush and just be incredibly difficult to block. On top of that, you have you saw the defensive line. Jaheim Otis is getting better. He was already performing at a pretty solid level as a, fr- a true freshman. Just imagine how he, he's going to be as a, as a true sophomore with the linebacker supporting behind him. Um, just shifting over to the last thing you said about Jaheim Otis, um, Quay Rousseau's teammate um, who he helped get to Alabama, James Smith, is Jaheim Otis's backup at the nose tackle. That's also a matchup that could definitely um, – or a definitely um, a position battle that could definitely occur – um, regarding the rest of the linebackers, I think Alabama's definitely shifted over to a linebacker U kind of thing. I mean, you could have argued that they were that before already, but then you think of like the D line with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Quinn Williams and all those guys. But yeah, I think we're definitely shifting over to a linebacker area. Definitely. Now, before we transition, I think that was that was a great idea. We're gonna definitely be in mind as we prepare for the spring game is gonna come up in April. But as we transition to the to the next sub talk about spring football. And I'll kick this. I'll kick this one off, and then I'll throw it to Hunter right after. Sure. Outside of position, outside of position battles, I think there are a couple other storylines to keep in mind. And obviously, the, the this is a low hanging fruit one. The coordinators, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how these coordinators not only mesh with Nick Saban but mesh with the players. As we've seen in both college and professional sports, 
A coordinator can be great in a vacuum, and players can be great in a vacuum. But sometimes the pairing, the pairing them together, cannot be as effective as you hoped. I hope that's not the case. I think Kevin Steele and Tommy Reese, I think those are great hires. I think those are Nick Saban guys that's been talked about this entire time. But I'm interested to see how quick or how difficult it may be, or easy it may be, for all the players to kind of you know get on one accord, especially with so many moving pieces, like. Essentially, you each corner has like a busy a pot of gold. Some of the best young talent, some of the best talent in the SEC in the country to work with and decipher through and decide who he wants to have as this guy at different spots. But I think it's a really good idea to you know see how the coordinators kind of mesh with the team. And, and Hunter, you can take that point, or you can you know talk about any other storylines around spring football that may interest you. No, yeah, I mean when you come to Alabama, like when you're hired by Alabama. I believe that you are automatically on the hot seat. Like, for sure. Like, how do I say this? Like, you basically, everyone from Alabama puts so much pressure on every single little play that, like, if you're in the stands, like, everyone's going to, like, not say good things about Pete Golding or um, Bill O'Brien. And, like, now it's it's Steele and Reese's turn for that. But I think they have they now have the weapons and they have way more coaching experience um, I believe Kevin Steele is like 30, 40 years or so in coaching. And he's obviously coming off of um, as a Miami DC. But um, yeah, I think they are automatically on the hot seat to start, but I think they definitely have the talent to make it back to their 2012 ish era of um, run, like just pure run defense and pure right. run offense. Right. Clay, what do you think? It's, it's a lot to choose. We can talk about, we can talk about the coordinators. We can talk about, you know, which which seniors will step up and establish those as guys. Uh, we're going to talk about Kool-Aid McKinstry individually because he's obviously one of the faces of the defense. But it's so many different directions outside of just pure position battles. You know, what other notes and news should people keep an eye on with spring football? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about kind of both here, positions and coordinators. So, first of all, I really like the hires that, that Saban made. And I think, you know, you can – there was going to be stuff negatively and positively said no matter who he hired. And I think Hunter's point was good is that, you know, it's funny, the Saban probably has the most secure job in all of college sports, but yet his coordinators have the least secure job in all of sports because they're either going to get fired or they're going to leave to go somewhere better. That's just the nature of Alabama as a coordinator. I think Tommy Reese is going to do a really good job of kind of getting back to just putting his players in, in good positions to succeed. We got kind of, I think, fortunate at Alabama that we got the best players in the country. And so we kind of just relied on them to do their to, to be better than everybody else. And last year, we didn't really have that. And so you need a coordinator who's going to put everybody in the right spots. So somebody, I'm, I, you know, position wise, who is going to be that next Alabama wide receiver? Because we didn't have it last year. And we've kind of been fortunate to have an NFL, you know, wide receiver one. We talked about that last week, all the guys we argued about. Who's going to be that guy to step up? And, you know, we could throw around names, but I don't want to go on too long. On the defensive side of the ball, we've been missing an enforcer. When's the last time Alabama has kind of had like a linebacker or somebody that's just going to take your head off? And, and no offense to Henry Toa Toa and all of those guys. They're good players. But I think we do need to kind of get back to that physical style of ball that we you remember with C.J. Mosley, Reuben Foster. And so I think Kevin Steele is kind of what Nick Saban is hoping can get that back. Isn't, isn't Clinton Dix, ha-ha Clinton Dix, part of player development now? I think I remember he is. he's part of player yes, development. Yeah. He was part funny of is that right before we we recorded, uh, he tweeted, he said, my first day on the job and I've already got my first butt chewing from Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is that is in fitting fashion. I, I definitely understand that. But it's a lot to look forward to with spring football. Of course, Bama Central will have you covered. Austin will be spearheading that. 
But we will continue to have such conversations like this, especially with, you know, spring more football. Also, the fall will get here before we know it. You know, fall camp and the season will roll around. It will just be a lot of football to talk about. Look, it's football country. We're in the South. Come, We've come to expect it. But to wrap up this podcast, the last topic we have, we're going to switch from the gridiron to the harder. We're going to talk about Alabama basketball. And, guys, it's no secret. Alabama's number two team in the country. They're probably going to be a one seed in the tournament. You know, it's, it's a lot to look forward to. But before we get to the ACC and NCAA tournaments, we now they're going to award the all ACC honors, whether it's the first team, second team, all freshman defense or individual awards. I think it's kind of safe to say that Brandon Miller is going to be ACC player of the year. There is honestly nobody's out playing him right now in the conference, maybe even in the country, but definitely not in the conference. He's going to be all all ACC first team. But the question I had to you guys, I mean, how many players do we think do we think we can make in before and before I let you answer, Clay, because I'll start with you. Here's one thing that me and Austin, when we talked about it on just a minute on Tuesday that we forgot, we thought we were initially thinking like, hey, first team, second team are just like the NBA in terms of only five guys. Last year's first team had nine players. Last year's second team had eight players. Last year's freshman team also had eight players. The defensive team had five players. So if they're picking at least eight to nine guys, or maybe maybe I'll go shorter. Let's say they six, seven guys or six guys for first team and second team and all freshmen, you know, I don't want to say who may win what. I just want to ask you how many, because I think it's a lot of choices that we could choose from. Yeah, well, normally when these awards come out, the, the winning teams have the most players. I mean, that, that kind of goes with the territory. But I really do think Alabama could have a lot of players on this list. I mean, you think about Brandon Miller's obviously going to be on the first team. He's probably going to win player of the year. He's going to win freshman of the year. So there's three awards right there. I think the interesting thing is how many players end up on the, the first and second teams and the all-freshman team. Because I think Mark Sears will definitely end up on one of those teams, whether first or second. And then you start getting into more of our, our freshmen. Like, is Noah Clowney going to be on there? Uh, you know, does Jaden Bradley maybe deserve to be on the all-freshman team? Really, that's my question is how many of our freshmen are going to be on that all-freshman team? Because you can make an argument, Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, Jaden Bradley, and Ryan Griffin all have an argument to be on there. And that's – so I, I definitely think, you know, on the first and second team, we have a lot – our depth is what gets us a lot of wins. And so it's not necessarily we have superstars except for Brandon Miller – so I wouldn't be surprised if it was just Brandon Miller and Mark Sears on those two teams, maybe Noah Clowney. But that all-freshman team is where I think you could see a lot of Bama names. What do you think? Yeah, um, I definitely um, understand with the freshman team. I I said I think Miller can make it. Well, I think he w- he'll definitely make it, that's for sure. First of all, Miller will make the first team and um, he'll make the freshman team. And I also believe he is a lock for SEC Player of the Year. Going back to freshman team, um, I definitely think Clowney has a shot to make that for sure. Um, just a rebounding machine and just excellent on defense. He actually could make that defensive team as well. Um, and also Jaden Bradley, um, one of the best passers, not only on um, in the SEC, but in just all of college basketball. I think he could definitely make that freshman team. Um, for the second team, I would definitely see um, second like SEC team. Um, I could definitely see Clowney making that as well. And Mark Sears, um, who I believe is averaging 14 points per game, I think that's somewhere around the top 10-ish in the SEC. I think he definitely could get a spot in there. I'm going to be honest. I think I think Alabama's going to just flood. They're going to flood the SEC awards this year. I think you guys will read me too, but I'll start with the freshman team. I believe that all four guys, Jaden Bradley, Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, Rylan Griffin, all of them will make it. Brandon Miller for sure. 
Noah Clowney for sure, because remember, Noah Clowney is also getting NBA looks. I would hard to, it would be hard for us to see a player getting NBA attention, first round NBA attention at that, and not be all SEC first team. I, I find that hard. Well, all SEC freshman team, excuse me, back up, the freshman team. Jaden Bradley, I think his defense has been solid. He's definitely played a lot more than most freshmen in the SEC. You, and of course, you still have other ones like Kaysen Walls from Kentucky and others, but I think Jaden Bradley is still in the upper echelon. And then Rylan Griffin. Rylan Griffin is probably the only person I would probably have the most questions about or the most concern about. But the thing is, he's really picked it up in SEC, in SEC play. He's shooting the ball a whole lot better the last five to 10 games. I think he's going to, you know, use that hot streak and the fact that maybe that Alabama bump because the team is the first place and they're playing so well. I think he may, they may sneak in. He may sneak in as another member of that all freshman team because he's playing so well. So that gives me, I think it's four guys. As far as the first team, I'll say Miller. I'll say Clowney. The reason I'm, the reason I'm not completely sold on Sears is because there are a lot of good guards in the SEC. I think when you, when you argue for Mark Sears, I think you can argue his shooting has been great. You can argue that he's been a team leader on the best team. And, you know, maybe the analytics, ooh, excuse me. The analytics support him as well. So I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes first team. But I feel like he's more of a, a lock second team than he is a lock first team. Now, when you get the second team, it can kind of get kind of get crazy. You, you can put in you can put in Clowney. You can put in Sears. Um, you can put in Bediaco in some way. I know the defensive analytics kind of support him as well, looking at the numbers. It's a lot, a lot of different options. I don't think they'll get too, too deep because Namar Bennett has missed time. You know, he's played well. Um, Nick Pringle obviously hasn't played enough, but he's just like a, a fan favorite. Uh, Javon Quinley, another fan favorite. Javon Quinley was a first team preseason selection, but obviously he's missed enough too much time and he's been too up and down in some cases. He's had great games this year that remind you why he was first team last year, but that wasn't the case this year. I think it's a lot of different options in terms of where the second team can go. And in terms of individual awards, Brandon Miller, player of the year, no doubt. Coach of the year? People are still arguing. Uh, coach from Texas A&M. His name escapes me. But what, I, Hunter, you're shaking your head. But it's the fact that it's the fact that Texas A&M is only one game behind Bama. That, well, it, it, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it's, <laughs> there's just no way. I mean, Nate Oates, like they last year, like they were just horrendous down the stretch, and it caused them to lose in the first round of the SEC tournament and March Madness. That really, most programs would just kind of not necessarily fold but it would just only get worse from there. They've only obviously risen as they are now the number two team in the country. They've been consistent all year long. They only have, was it three losses, four losses the entire season? Like they are just on way too much of a run right now to be, or he's on too much of a run right now, not to be like the unanimous coach of the year. See, I, I mean, I agree. I think NATO should be the coach of the year, but there's going to be a push for Buzz Williams. That's who, that's who the Texas A&M head coach is because Nate Oates has already won this award two years ago when Alabama made their run. And this is very similar. Obviously, I think we're a little better than that time. But if we go into Texas A&M, I don't know exactly when these awards come out. I think they wait till the end of the regular season. But if it comes down to that last game and we're fighting for the one seed still and A&M beats Alabama, there's going to be a push for Buzz Williams. And I would not be surprised if that's a conversation at the end of the year. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that's probably the most beautiful thing about this. Alabama controls its own destiny in a number of ways. Like, yes, it control in terms of winning out the SEC and becoming number one and things like that. But just in terms of these awards, like you just said, to see the finale is Texas A&M at Texas A&M. So if Nate Oates in Alabama goes to College Station and beats the Aggies, 
there there's no way you could really argue the fact that coach that Oates can't be coach of the year over Buzz Williams. So it's going to be a really exciting finish for Alabama basketball. But it starts Wednesday, which I guess is tonight now because we're recording on Tuesday. Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, ESPNU, ESPN2, excuse me, ESPN2, dose. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm so excited. But it's been a fantastic discussion today. Clay, Hunter, thank you guys so much for joining me. I am Mason Smith, and the tide keeps on rolling.